Hello everyone and welcome to the season 2. That's right, the season 2 of 6 yards and 6 questions. India's first ever sari podcast presented by Kalanika. I would like to thank all our listeners of season 1 who loved our podcast. In fact, we had global listeners and that's what kept us going to bring more unique conversations. So season 2 is going to be all about fun, style and culture associated with a sari and we are so thrilled to feature our guest who happens to be from the country that boasts of rich history and culture. The country that gave us traditional cuisine like sushi and sashimi, the country that gave us amazing anime like Naruto, Death Note and Bleach and of course automobile giants like Toyota, Honda and many more. So let's shift our gears here because our guest for today is from Japan and what's interesting about her is not just her love for saris but also her creative quest to understand the culture and origins behind every sari drape and take that forward in her daily wear. Well yes you heard it right she drapes a sari in multiple styles and she wears it comfortably wherever she travels within and outside of the country. So with that Let's go ahead and weave our conversations with Yoriko from Japan. Konnichiwa, Yoriko. It's amazing to connect with you over that one single passion which is sarees. I'm really looking forward to some fantastic insights uh, that would come from you and I'm sure all of us are fascinated to firstly understand where did the saree journey begin for you and when was that moment as such? I would say my very first memory associated with a sari was actually it was probably from a children's encyclopedia or something and it had some pages about like different greeting greetings from around the world um and there was a picture of a girl wearing a sari and saying namaste so it's not something that left a huge impression with me at that time um so I don't remember it very well but that was probably like my very first exposure I was listening to your uh latest episode um about the um, the story behind Kolanika and It was really cool. Like I loved how you guys from a young age um you got to know the sari is something you can really move around in and uh not just something to wear only to functions and just to look pretty. The story with your mom how she saved the day with her um her wedding sari um uh, at your um uh Bharatanatyam um performance uh when you were kids. Yeah. Uh, that was really amazing and like this kind of story that's just the kind of thing that I don't have myself because I didn't grow up like within a sari wearing culture so like it's really amazing uh, to hear uh, those stories from people with roots in like the sari wearing parts of South Asia cuz I grew up around like South Asian people um for some reason like my dad worked for the um the Japanese government the ministry of health actually um he worked with like water sanitation systems and stuff like that he was doing a lot of like international cooperation work as well we moved around a lot as a family uh when i was growing up in and out of japan actually so i live i spent a few years outside of japan i was actually born in indonesia and spent a few years there and i never actually lived in india uh when i was growing up but you know there uh, when i went to like international schools uh, there were always like a few south asian kids in my class like indian pakistani sri lankan um bangladeshi kids um and sometimes we would end up being friends we tended to be like the nerdy kids i guess like the Asian kids kind of like they tend to stick together cuz they their families are kind of similar. My best friend in middle school was 
originally from Bangalore. She grew up in Switzerland, but um, so and her mom was actually a Bharatanatyam uh, dancer. I think the classical dance. I think it was. Um, I think I saw her in a sari a couple of times. I, I really don't remember. Like it's it's just all a blur. In the 2000s, I think there was fascination with Bollywood. Like some Western, there was like Slumdog Millionaire. There was like Britney Spears used um, sa samples from 80s Bollywood music in her song, like Toxic. So because of that, I think at that time, like it was kind of fashionable to be interested in um, Indian popular culture. Like now, I think it's gone main mainstream. Yeah, and I traveled to India with my friend. I drape a lot of like fabrics that are not meant to be saris, like just like regular sort of like. You know bed sheets and stuff like I kind of convert them into sarees like I, I just like doing that because actually like in Japan it's kind of hard to get um, get your hands on a, an actual sari so I have to make do with like um, fabrics that I can get yeah so that's something I still do um, today but um, at that time I thought like I grew up in like Japanese culture like Pokemon anime so I wanted to wear something like a sari like a Pokemon themed sari so I just like got this Pokemon fabric, like really cheap, like sort of sheet, bed sheet fabric um, from the store in Japan. And I brought it over to India um, so that I could wear it when I was there. Went to this like workshop, like art workshop in Delhi. There were a couple of um, women who had come to the workshop as well. Um, and I asked them to uh, drape it for me. And they were like, oh, like this fabric, it's, it's just like a bed sheet, you know, like we don't wear this kind of thing. It's <laughs> already, and I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, like, I didn't understand, like, the, you know, the cultural context or I think I didn't have, like, a deep enough appreciation. So, yeah, I was super embarrassed, but they still draped it for me. And, like, I think they did a pretty good job. I, I posted a picture of it on Instagram once. Well, that's, that's fascinating indeed. So what is it that you truly love about a sari? I love South Asian clothes in general, but what I love about the sari in particular is that there's an inherent radical simplicity to the idea. Fundamentally, it's just a piece of fabric with no cuts or stitches. And you literally create a garment from whole cloth every time you wear it by only draping, pleating, tucking, knotting, etc. It's like origami you can wear. Maybe it's a stereotypically Japanese thing to be drawn to this kind of simplicity. So you could say my love of saris is an expression of my Japanese-ness in a way. That's beautifully said, Yoriko. Wouldn't deny that at all. Well, um, on that note, I'm really keen to know then, how do the people around you in your country react to when you were wearing saris? Um, you know, did they think, was this weird? Or what is this fabric that you're draping? What are their thoughts as such? Uh, first, let me start with Japan. Um, people are quite polite here. Mostly, I just get, there's like a furtive glance and they look away when our eyes meet, kind of looking at me, like wondering, like, what is she wearing kind of look, but like, they don't say anything. You know, it's, it's not like I get harassed for like wearing something um, <laughs> that most Japanese people don't wear right now. Before I, I started wearing saris, I um, wore a lot of like um, kurtas, just Indian clothing in general. I mean, I didn't wear them all the time, but I would wear them occasionally. Um, and then, yeah, people would say like, like, yeah, you, you look really like exotic. Discussing this with um, another friend of mine, uh, a Japanese friend who loves Indian movies. Uh, I just came from having lunch with her today. We were talking about how we kind of like at the workplace and stuff, like um, we are perceived, you know, just being interested in non-Western culture, like Indian culture, or like we like wearing Indian clothes um, or we're into Indian movies. Like, we're kind of put into this box. Oh, you're like, you're so artistic or like unique. It's not necessarily 
like a negative reaction, but you're kind of looked at as like a uh, unusual weird person, and that's something we kind of were uh, trained to avoid. Ah, that's interesting. But um, what were closer to home? What was the reaction of your parents when they watched you wear saris or choose uh, wearing a kurtas and uh, salwar kameez as such? And um, more importantly, what are the parallels that you draw between the culture of Japan and India at this point in time? And what are some of the differences that you have noticed from your own experience? I'm still trying to get them to open up to the idea of me wearing uh, saris and um, Indian clothes. There was one time, I w it was at a graduation ceremony when I got my master's degree. It was like this kind of highly ornamented um, salwar suit that I bought for the occasion. And, you know, I thought it was like appropriate. Like my parents were like, just like, no, like, why? <laughs> like, you know, at, at least wear a kimono. Like, you know, I mean, even kimono is kind of weird. Like everyone else is wearing a um, business suit. In the end, I ended up like just, you know, going out from the house. But then I got changed like in the bathroom into the clothes I wanted to wear. <laughs> and then they saw my picture later and they've just flipped out. Yeah, so that's the kind of lengths I've had to go through, like uh, go to, to wear Indian clothes. I'm a PhD student in neuroscience. So like in this kind of research environment and I studying in this like very international research institute. So like, yeah, in that kind of environment, you know, less of this kind of pressure to uh, conform to like the majority Japanese culture. So in those ways, I'm really privileged. Like, you know, there are many other people who don't have this kind of um, freedom to just like wear whatever. It's important to recognize the like the huge diversity within like considered like Indian culture in general. At the same time, I think there are some like common commonalities that you see in a lot of cultures. And I would say like there are more contrasts with that kind of sort of general canonical idea of Indian culture versus the canonical idea of Japanese culture. But there are definitely some similarities. Let me begin with the contrast. Uh, Indian cultures are tend to be like kind of more vivid. They're louder than Japanese culture in Japan. So there's something called iki. It's, it's this sort of like understated, like simple kind of coolness that's um, been considered ideal since like, you know, maybe 250 years ago, 300 years ago. It was like a time when what we think of today as traditional Japanese culture really was forming. Um, urbanization going on in Tokyo at the time, which was called Edo. Uh, in Edo, there were these like um, rising like middle-class people, merchants, who were making a lot of money like trading. The culture of that led up to what we have today as manga, um, that was also born at that time. There was this like mass culture of those newly affluent people just like consuming those like prints and like borrowed novels and read novels in printed books were available. So these people were getting more money to dress however they want. But then the government kind of clamped down on that uh, by prohibiting people, like regular people, from wearing like opulent clothing uh, with like lots of ornamentation. So the townspeople responded to that and adapted aesthetic which was um, more subdued. Even silks were woven to look like cotton. You couldn't look ex extravagant but um, it was considered cool to be able to tell the difference between like those really subtle weaves and like really subtle patterns, super fine patterns that you can almost like not see as a pattern until like you look up really close. And I think that kind of aesthetic has stayed, stayed with us. That's really like in contrast to the sort of canonical view of I think Indian culture. You know, there's this image of like uh, Maharajas, Maharanis with like opulent, totally gorgeous drapes, a whole lot of cloth with like a whole a lot of like um, zari 
work and you know like really opulent and colorful first of all i would like to point out that like this kind of iki culture like this simplistic uh, minimalistic culture in japan that that's not all there is to japanese culture like kabuki theater was like a sort of popular form of theater during the same time that i was talking about the edo period 200 300 years ago costumes were super gaudy super colorful that was the aesthetic yeah so that was also like japanese culture and you know it's still part of like we still consider that part of traditional japanese culture today but that kind of aesthetic has been sidelined a bit in japan the modern times so i think that kind of ties in actually with how like indian culture tends to be viewed in japan today like, people have this image of indian culture as you know like really opulent very highly ornamented colorful culture and viewed with respect but like it's not oh we want to really copy that style like our sort of like what's considered traditional cultures are kind of different um we have these contrasting like canonically subdued versus canonically opulent um, cultures in Japan versus India. But on the metal level, we have like a sort of similar sort of unquestioning respect for like Western culture as a source of like modern ideas or like, you know, modernization. Uh, I've been posting my pictures on Twitter for a while, uh, my sari pictures. There's been a huge like uptick in interest in India recently because of Bahubali, Telugu movie. It was actually like a total sensation in Japan. So I think there are a lot more people now who are interested in India because they saw Bahubali and they were just like blown away. So like on Twitter, I get a lot of um, comments from people who are interested in India or it might be, you know, they might be interested in other aspects of Indian culture. Like maybe they like yoga or um, Ayurveda. Tell me, I didn't know saris could be so uh, modern. A lot of people in Japan think that like saris are like purely traditional attire. Uh, well, at this point in time, Yorika, I would like to plug in as to how we all connected and our, it would be amazing for our listeners to know that it's because of our podcast with uh, Sari researcher Niketa that we ended up connecting uh, over this passion for saris. So it's it's really interesting. And here I would like to ask you as such as to what's your journey been? And, um, you know, uh, you have watched Niketa uh, teach various drapes as such. So what's your experience been? By the way, like Niketa is like I consider her my sari guru. Like I started wearing saris because of her work. Like I saw how she was styling the sari as like it's like comfortable everyday wear, and it's like it's inspired by the research she's done into like how people um, who had to work in saris actually wore them, you know, every day. You know, it, it's just this really fluid garment, and I definitely see parallels between that and like how. Um, the kimono is perceived in Japan today. People sort of get kind of protective about like traditional culture and like they, they want to like find this sort of like canonical way, do a certain thing in the traditional way. Like kimono literally means just something you wear. So wearing a kimono is like draping a sari. Like, you know, the garment doesn't fit your body. Like, you know, a lot of like modern Western clothing, like it's not tailored to you. So you have to like drape it um, to fit your body, which is, which is, I guess also, it's another cultural parallel. You deviate from it. Like some, somebody's gonna come along and say, you're not wearing it correctly. Um, and I think that I, resonance of that in um, how Niketa was saying, um, some people get comments for pairing uh, 
like bikini top with a sari or like if they're not wearing it in the like correct nibi drape then they get some comments the parts of traditional culture that get left out are like the culture of like the lower classes people who work in the fields how they wear the sari or the kimono is kind of considered gets thrown out of what's what gets what makes it into like the canonical traditional culture you know people can always pick like which aspects of uh, tradition they get to keep. You can be modern without necessarily like being more western. Yeah so like the modern sari is not necessarily like just about like Indo-Western fusion and same thing with kimono. Absolutely. In fact uh, Nikita also emphasizes on uh, the cultural context right uh, when it comes to the drape styles through her research. So how important is cultural appropriation for you? I think it's something people get overly paranoid about sometimes which can be annoying. Like when some Americans tell themselves they can't wear the kimono just because they're not Japanese or something. Whenever I hear that kind of thing, I'm like, no, culture doesn't work like that. The beauty of culture is that it's software, right? You don't need some special hardware, some special genes to adopt a culture. You don't need to be born into a culture in order to embrace it. You can even add your own little twist on it. That said, borrowing from cultures can be problematic when it involves exploitation and or whitewashing. For example, how white people in America have historically taken black and Native American cultures, including fashion and music, and used them disrespectfully or made money off of them while ignoring and discriminating against the people it came from. That's not okay. I think when you borrow from a culture, you should always make sure that its originators are getting all their due respect, credit, and compensation. I also want to point out that cultural appropriation can happen not just between cultures, but within a culture as well. For example, between socioeconomic classes. Whenever we adopt a culture, say a music genre or clothing style or jewelry or makeup, etc., that came from a less privileged group within our own broader culture, I think it's always important to ask ourselves, just like when we're borrowing from a culture that's more foreign to us, are the people who created this culture getting all the respect and credit that they deserve? Are we seeing them and listening to them enough? And above all, are we paying them enough? That's beautifully put, Yoroko, absolutely. So at this point in time, I'd also like to shift our focus to you all practicing the art of reusing clothes as well as recycling them, right? So um, I'd like you to bring in your experiences and uh, you know emphasize the significance of reusing as well as recycling clothes. Uh, I'm interested in conserve resources and energy so that like we don't have like, some apocalyptic world um, to pass on to our kids. As interested as you know the average like conscious consumer type person, I guess, in trying to like reduce my carbon footprint and. But I also like to wear like different saris, uh, different um, clothes. I've been interested in wearing handloom um, saris for a while. Basically, like since seeing uh, Niketa again, like um, draping those like handlooms so beautifully, I like I wanted to get into handlooms as well and like you know um, try draping them. I'm wearing actually right now this um, uh, handwoven jamdani from um, uh, that I got from a store in Kolkata. Uh, it's really comfortable. Like I just love how it feels. Like really cool, comfortable. Um, it, it feels so great on your skin. It's just this like buttery texture. It's really nice. Um, we need a way to be sustainable that works for like people of like different economic backgrounds. You know, wearing um, handlooms is like it is really great. But we also need to think about like how to make other parts of our consumer economy more sustainable. One way is to just like reuse 
clothing uh, more and like uh, share more of our stuff. What I've been doing in Japan actually uh, is I use I buy a lot of used clothes. Whenever I want to wear something in Japan nowadays, this there's, there's this like really nice. There's a bunch of websites apps you can use to um, to sell and buy uh, used stuff. Uh, they've put in a lot of work to making those like trustworthy and so like really a uh, nice experience like most of the time you know it's going on Amazon or something but like just on this app or on this website like you search what you want and you can get it within you know a couple of days and I think it's also like a nice counter to fast fashion it kind of encourages people to uh, spend with the sort of longer time mindset and just like take better care of their um, stuff because you know they, they want to get a good price for it later so you know they'll take good care of it and they'll get a better quality product because this is probably a good way to like for people to wear like more high quality like handloom saris as well. In fact, uh, that's so true that the handloom industry creates a culture of sustainable fashion. However, that's not the case unfortunately with machine made or power loom fabric. So anyway, we're really keen to now know as to which is your favorite sari style drape. We've seen your Instagram posts and you're absolutely creative when it comes to styling saris, but which is your favorite sari style drape and who is your favorite sari icon? My favorite actually so far is this pant style drape that I learned first in Aketa's sari uh, zine. I think it's based on like an Odyssey uh, dancer's dhoti type um, kind of drape. It's just super practical and so that would be my favorite so far. I yeah but I also tend to drape the nidi drape a lot just because I want people to know that I'm wearing a sari like and they might not recognize it as such if I'm draping it another way like in Japan especially. I just love the style of uh, Sonam Kapoor. I, I just love her fashion sense and I think it's her sister who styles her, Rhea. It's just like she, she loves to experiment with like different styles. In terms of like more traditional draping, sari, I think Sri Devi, uh, she really carries the sari beautifully. Alright, so how often do you come to India as such? You know, um, I think the last time we were discussing you said you'd come to Delhi, then you had even gone to Pune as such. What's your experience been um, in all these visits? To India as such? I've been going there um, maybe like once a year, um, every year for uh, the past I would say like four or five years. Um, yeah it's kind of become a routine uh, for me like it's it's almost like a second home actually so I'm married to an Indian person I actually have a home in India I guess in that sense uh, they stay in Pune yeah when I'm in India I sort of like get to experience like the best of both worlds like in some ways I have Indian family so I'm like part of the society but like I don't need to be completely part of it so yeah like I like to go shopping in India I recently visited Kerala and like it was just really amazing you know I love ikat fabric partly because it's also a tradition in Indonesia and in Japan uh, and it, it's just it just feels really nice to discover these connections. Indian society is kind of conformist in other ways like I think people tend to care a lot more about like what your like family thinks of you or like your community thinks of you whereas like maybe you don't care so much about just random people you meet on the street um, whereas in Japan we're super conscious of that kind of thing you know like we're conscious of like how strangers think of us. Ah, this is your husband's reaction. Uh, considering that you started adopting the whole culture of wearing a sari, 
what did he have to say? He, he didn't really expect me to turn out like this. Um, so I, I think he's like pleasantly surprised. He, he thinks it's really cool. Like because I'm married to him, like I'm interested in Indian culture, like especially because of that connection. But there are aspects of saris and like Indian culture that are inherently interesting to me. You know, I, I just, I, I like that he um, recognizes and my friends recognize. So unfortunately, we're very close to the end of the podcast, Yurikum. But, you know, we have connected thanks to technology as well as uh, social media. So what's the role of social media as such in having created the sense of awareness with regard to saris and styles for you? I started wearing saris again because um, I saw Niketa's posts on Instagram. Uh, and, you know, like, so uh, there's been a lot of inspiration from, like, people who love wearing saris in India and elsewhere. And that just, like, um, encourages me to experiment with saris myself. So this kind of, like, connection and feedback and, like, inspiration is really nice. Also, it's allowed me to, um, recently, actually, uh, I've started posting more on Instagram. And it's allowed me to kind of connect with people in, like, um, Indian cultures around the world. So it's allowed me to connect with like a lot more people because on Instagram it's mostly based on images so it transcends linguistic boundaries a lot. So uh, all right Yoriko so finally one last question is um, what's next in store considering that you're a student of science but you love to amalgamate that with your artistic sensibilities uh, so what can we expect to see either through your Instagram posts or through your travel experiences as such? I'm a scientist by training. I've always been interested in trying to bridge the gap between my scientific interests and uh, my sort of more like artistic interests. It's been quite a challenge. You know, these are things that don't really mesh that well, like um, in general, like I, so I did my wedding in India and I wore a lehenga for the reception. I designed a neuroscience themed uh, lehenga uh, and a sherwani for my husband. And, and that was really fun. Um, like I, I just love doing it because uh, we got to work with these like artisans from, from Bareilly who do um, arty uh, embroidery. It was just beautiful to see like the designs I had sketched. There's a lot of science in actually like weaving and you know textiles and yeah and I want to like learn more about that and kind of just um, make my own little contribution. Hope I want to see how I can like blend my scientific interests with uh, wearing and styling creating saris um, hopefully in the future. Well, thank you so much, Yoruko, for joining us today on this podcast. In fact, uh, your insights and experiences have given us a better understanding of uh, the culture there in Japan and how you are adopting the culture of wearing a sari out there uh, at your workplace as well as your daily life as such. It's been great interacting with you and we really look forward to meeting you in person, in fact. So thank you so much for taking your time out and joining us in this podcast by Kalanika, Six Yards and Six Questions. Thank you. It's been lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much. See you. Bye.